The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hello, Dr. Ray. Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you? I'm sure I'm going to get really good advice from you. Oh, I don't know about that. You're right on track with us. You're right on track. My idea, my theory, my guidance is a bit of a stretch. Everybody make a mistake. Does that comfort you? No. Am I close? No. You are so wrong. You're so wonderful. Why do I have to be the insightful professional? Someone intelligent on radio. Yay! Did I make you feel a lot better or what? No, you made me feel worse. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Sensitive nurturant post zeros guy my own personal y2 ray speaking two to four hundred words a minute with gusts up to 800 one hour of antidote the airborne cure for parentis maximus wimpus chronic or acute type bradus majoris dispensing a potent well now off brand name drug formerly called docazin now try Psychonol. Same effect, pretty much the same effect. Four minutes of any kind of listening. Better behaved children. More compliments on your life. More peace in your existence. Very broad-based. Nice to have you with me, Dr. Ray Garendi. Program, the doctor is in. Hence, the name Doc is in, if you didn't connect the dots on that. My audience has an average IQ of about 124. Now, that may not have been what it was, but you've been listening, so it's up. Now, the other problem, though, there is a downward pull on IQ. Uh, I can summarize it in four letters. K-I-D-S. All right. Alrighty, hold on one second. I gotta go to this. Yes, this is something that happened to me. I want to share it with you. Uh, well, it was it's kind of touching. It was kind of touching. Yesterday, I was out mowing the lawn. Then I came in and was doing some vacuuming. My young daughter came up to me and said, "One day I will work, and I will help you with the bills, the groceries." The house expenses. I, I teared up. I teared up. She'll only be 25 next year. So you know yourself as a successful parent. Number to get onto the program. As always, 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL. That is the number to get onto the the program, if you would like to ask a question about something in your life, make a comment about something in your life or something that has affected somebody else's life, if you wish to disagree with me, you jump the turnstiles. You come straight to the top, to the front. Some of you disagree with me in email. That's nice, and sometimes the points are very well taken, and sometimes they're, in my opinion, way off the mark, but I generally thank folks for their time and their thoughts except when they get nasty every once in a while people get nasty ad hominem attacks now so you can't even say ad hominem anymore 
because that's Latin, which means against the male. You can't say that. Ad, ad personum attacks. So, 877-57-EQUAL is the easiest way to remember the number. And I would be delighted to talk with you about something that matters to you or something that doesn't matter to you, but you wonder if it should. 877-57-EQUAL. After approximately 13 seasons of hopscotching the country, going around and a lot of you wonderful radio affiliates have uh, supported us and invited us in to do the TV taping. We've been to Spirit, we've been to Covenant, we've been to Covenant, we've been to Catholic Radio, we've been to Billings, Montana, where else? Ave Maria, lots of northeastern Ohio, Cleveland, The Rock. We've been to Buffalo. Jim Wright, Station of the Cross. We've been, had a chance to go, just go all over the place, and we've been real grateful about that. Well, this time around, for the first time we're heading, we're heading to, uh, first we're heading to Wichita. Now, that's the uh, 15th and 16th. Go to uh, Dr. Ray Show, Wichita.com, drrayshowwichita.com, if you'd like to sign up, get the details. But then after that, this is kind of exciting, we're going down to... EWTN in January. Birmingham will be doing the taping of four shows down there. That's really kind of exciting. I'll give you more details. That's after the first of the year in mid-January. So I'd be delighted to be down there, get a chance to get down to EWTN every chance I get, see the good folks, and they are good folks. There's no question about that. When I was in grad school, uh, I don't want to say how long ago it was, but uh, Sigmund Freud was a freshman when I was a senior. I minored in counseling. I majored in clinical psychology. I minored in counseling. Now, <clears throat> my opinion is that there are a lot of ideas that permeate counseling that really whew, don't make a whole lot of sense. They don't work too well. It's good stuff in counseling, but there's a lot of stuff you might just best ignore. <clears throat> and I wondered sometimes when I I heard these. Well, okay, okay, I'll give you an example. Dr. Ray, give us an example. Don't just say something generic. Okay, I'll give you one. I was in a counseling class, and the prof said, you, you take in information the same way you take in food. Now, my non-spoken response was, huh? Because I go to buffets. So I don't know what that says about the way I take in information. He said, if you, if you chew your food slowly and carefully, that means you're a discriminating absorber of information. I don't think he put it that way, but that's the way I'm putting it in my memory. If you swallow your food whole and you just wash it down, you're not a critical thinker. You're gullible. Now, I'm thinking to myself, where in heaven's name are you getting this? So I asked. Even then I asked. I was 24. I was full of vinegar. I said, uh, is there any research that links this at all? And he said to me, gave me an answer. He said, Ray, I noticed that uh, you're leaning back. Because, see, when you take counseling classes, you don't sit in chairs. You, you kind of sit in a circle on the floor and stuff like that. you got to do that. You know, it's kind of non-traditional. 
He said, I noticed that you're leaning back against the wall. Are you unsure of your question? So I, I leaned forward away from the wall, sat up stiff and straight. I said, is there, is there any indication, is there any research that indicates this? He said, I noticed your legs are crossed. Uh, is this uh, some sign that, uh, in fact, you you might not be honest in asking your questions? Okay, he was reading all my supposed body language. I gave up the question after about the third observation that he didn't answer. So that was one example of those kinds of things. And since then, of course, I, I have a book uh, going to be reprinted. It's called Advice Worth Ignoring, and it's 50 different ideas that the experts have pushed upon parents that undercut their authority and their confidence and their common sense, really. And some of these ideas are, are just raw nonsense. So one of them is don't compliment children. Don't compliment them. Because what you're doing is you're sending a message that when you compliment somebody, that their value in your eyes is because of their achievements or their accomplishments or their abilities. Huh? So, I wondered, why, why is it that, that, that so many quote-unquote expert types have these ideas that just seem to leave common sense behind? And I've called it the stretch. The stretch is this. If I'm a supposed letters-after-my-name expert, and you are just, oh, a humble layperson. I'm supposed to be able to reach beyond common sense understanding of something. And in so doing this, to show my expertise. But if I reach too far, I become foolish. I become dumb. I lose touch with common sense and reality and traditional wisdom. But I must stretch because you're giving me that status. You're telling me I need to write a book, putting forth all kinds of ideas and notions that, that are new and enlightened when, in fact, there's nothing new under the sun. But depending upon how you package it, you know this. You look at magazine covers. You read books. Ten new ways for a better relationship. Five proven techniques to get your children to listen. That's just the way you title this stuff. The how-to genre. And, of course, to give you good how-tos, I must give you something you haven't thought of. And given that most people have a modicum of common sense experience and instinct, for me to get beyond something you haven't thought of, i got to think outside the box which isn't necessarily a problem, except when I get too far outside the box, and then I stretch, and I say something that really is nonsense, which leaves reality behind. But it sounds smart, doesn't it? For example, I read a magazine article once, the very first paragraph, Sitting a child in a chair is a humiliating experience. And I wanted to say, says who? And of course, 
at the end of the article, they told me who said who. So-and-so is a child development specialist who has experience in blah, 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 blah. Therefore, you can't argue with her. If she says it's a humiliating experience, it must be a humiliating experience. Why? Well, because she's smarter than you. You just thought sitting in a chair was kind of uh, taking him away from the action and making him be bored. But no. Nope, you've humiliated him and you didn't realize it. The stretch. When I did evaluations for juvenile court many years ago in another county, one of the heads of the multi-county system said, the last guy wrote all kinds of fanciful psychological language, but he didn't really give us any good recommendations and common sense. I said, well, I'll, I'll do my best to give you that. Great, that's what we want. Okay. So I did. Spoke in clear language. Hopefully gave some practical recommendations. I found out later that this same guy who complained about the previous guy using psychobabble and being theoretically unworkable said, well, you know, I think Ray could uh, Ray could go a little deeper, maybe a little deeper into the psyche of the children. Okay. The temptation to stretch. One of my favorite quotes is by the Catholic journalist Malcolm Muggeridge, who said, We have educated ourselves into imbecility. There's a lot of truth to that. 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL. I want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. You want to comment on that? Go ahead. You want to give us a good insight into life? Go ahead. You want to ask a question that perplexes you and flummoxes you? Go ahead. He is only one of four popes honored as the great. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Leo I was Pope at a time when Roman civilization was being overrun by barbarian armies. He stood as a light in the darkness and even saved the city of Rome from destruction by Attila and the Huns. Leo died in 461. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Our family had been going through crisis. Little by little, we just found ourselves drifting completely away. I was afraid to go back. I mean, I cried the first time I received the sacraments again. Cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again. It's united our family. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. This program brought to you by the following nonprofit company. From Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child, what is his name? 
Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere, November 10th. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Eight seven seven five seven three seventy eight twenty five is the number to call to get onto the program. Lines are ready and waiting for your calls. You know how you call these uh, phone places and they say your approximately waiting phone time is 12 hours and 28 minutes. If you'd like us to call you back sometime within the next year, let us know or simply hold. Well, you can get Eric Dumont right now. He's just waiting for your call. Until then, I shall talk some more. My first book was titled, You're a Better Parent Than You Think, about 17 books ago. As I said, I've learned the secret to writing a lot of books. You can't worry about them being very good. I wrote the book because I was surprised at how many parents were coming into my office at the Mental Health Center in Lisbon, Ohio, unsure of themselves, questioning themselves, wondering if they're messing their kid up. These are decent people. These, these were not pathological people where you'd look at the way they were running their parenting in their life. They weren't referred by the court. They weren't referred by children's services. They came in because they were frustrated with the whole child-rearing experience. They were tremendously overcomplicating it, wondering, second-guessing, am I causing damage? If I do this, am I allowed to do that? So essentially... They came to me to get the stamp of expert approval. And when they didn't get that, when they they got the stamp of expert approval for them being the parent, they were a little surprised, but they were also relieved. And it, it led me to write the book. Why title it, You're a Better Parent Than You Think? Well, because most of them were. They were intimidated by the experts, by the experts' theories, by the experts' notions. I was, what was I, oh, 20, 26, 27 at the time. And I remember even then being shocked because I had gone through grad school and had been fed all the proper enlightened techniques And these same kinds of techniques were the ones the parents were worried about implementing poorly. I'm not saying that a lot of these ideas can't work. I'm saying as a general rule, they don't work well. And so when they don't work well, all that does is breed more doubt. What am I doing wrong? How am I falling psychologically short? Where is the parenting problem here? I've often said to parents, you start out with the overarching reality. 
you are the parent. And because of that, it means that many of the decisions that you make, and you make thousands on a yearly basis, many of them are right. Why? Because you're the parent. If you decide on an 8 o'clock bedtime for your 8-year-old, and your cousin has a 9.30 bedtime. Well, who's right? Well, you're both parents. It's your decision. Now, that may mean that it may not work out as well for one as the other. But when you get into this whole idea of rightness dominating every decision, Dr. Ray, come on. There are poor decisions, and there are better decisions, and there are good decisions. Oh, I totally agree with that. I See, I had to say that because inevitably somebody would write an email and say, well, you're trivializing good parenting first. No, I'm not. What I'm saying is if you get caught up in this whole idea of am I allowed to say this? Am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to use this as a punishment? Am I allowed to have this standard? Am I allowed to have these rules of the house? Am I allowed to require this kind of chore cooperation? Am I allowed to not allow this level of disrespect? All of that can undercut your authority. And once you undercut your authority, it is the nature of the child to come on pretty strong. Not because they're bad, awful, evil people, but because they're kids. And when they sense and smell, you're unsure of yourself. I was in my office. Mom came in. She was totally defeated by her two, almost three-year-old daughter. Now, you got to ask a question. How can a parent be defeated by a two- to three-year-old? But you'd be surprised how many are. <clears throat> Talking to mom. Now, obviously, I'm not going to do any kind of counseling with a three-year-old or less than. I was talking to mom, and the little girl went over to my, there was a globe, one of those stand-up globes, and she started smacking it and swinging it and smacking it and swinging it, and it was, was kind of getting wobbly, and I, I asked her, I said, honey, please, don't, don't do that anymore. And she looked at me, and I, I, read, her, I read her face. I, I'm good. I'm trained in this. She didn't say anything, but I think her face said, shut up. And she turned around and she kept swigging. Mom said, you see, you see, you see, she just doesn't listen. She just doesn't listen. Okay. As it, as though this was proof that mom just got stuck with this aberrant child. So I asked mom, I said, do you mind if I, if I step in? Mom goes, please. So I went and got the little girl and I sat her on my lap and I held her so that she couldn't create any havoc. She didn't like that at all. Not at all. She threw a fit right there on my chair, swinging her head back, trying to headbutt me. Just just nasty. And I just acted as though she wasn't doing any of that, and I was talking to Mom. Mom was embarrassed, and I told her, don't be. This is a little kid. Kids throw a fit. All right, big deal. So after the little girl totally exhausted herself, I said to her, I said, you want to sit with mommy now, honey? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. 
So she went over, she sat down next to mom for the remaining minutes of the session. They came back two weeks later. The little girl, early in the session, got up, went over to the globe, and started to swing again. I said, honey, please don't do that. She turned and looked at me. And her face did not say shut up. Her face said, oh, oh, okay. And she went and she sat next to her mom and created no more ruckus. How did that happen? Because she read my confidence. I didn't do anything fancy. But she read the fact that this guy means what he says. And she responded positively. And much more pleasantly, by the way. And I proved to mom she didn't have a demon seed. Father Benedict Rochelle. Brothers and sisters, we got to tell the truth in this country. For heaven's sakes, I wouldn't want to go to a synagogue and find that they were having a Muslim service. I wouldn't want to go to a mosque and run into a Baptist service. I don't want to go to a Baptist church and find out that they're having mass. We've got to be honest to ourselves. We've got to be what we are. I'd rather a good old-fashioned, honest agnostic than a phony Christian any day of the week. There are reluctant agnostics. There are atheists who are searching for God, and they may find Him. But somebody who says they're doing something in the name of God and the name of Christ, and God and Christ have nothing to do with it, is violating this commandment. I am the Lord your God. You shall not take my name in vain. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. People have this false notion that after the Supreme Court came out with, of course, Roe v. Wade and gave us abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy, that all of a sudden, all of these regulations were put into place. When all of these independent abortion facilities popped up all over the country, when Planned Parenthood started opening its doors and doing abortions legally after 1973, that it was always so safe and wonderful. And they believe this because they don't see these stories about the botched abortions, the women who have lost their lives, the women who have been violated because their information has been tossed out in the street with the garbage and the medical waste. Not to mention the fact that the regulations that are on the books are not even enforced and rarely are these facilities inspected. And yet people think that they're so safe. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Psychological Babylon. Dr. Ray Grandy here on The Doctor is In, a co-production of the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, as well as Ave Maria Radio Communications, Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Today is quiet, so uh, unless you want me to keep talking, you call in. This is an email. I figured I might as well dive into these because the stack's getting pretty high. My only sister cut me off and took my wider family with her. I mean, I'm assuming she means the extended family. It is a sad story, she says. 
My sister gave birth to a baby boy, and then she gave the year, and I don't want to give it too much because I want to keep it anonymous. When the boy was baptized, I was asked to be godmother. Long story short, my sister's first marriage broke up. She, she left him and was taken in with her two children by relatives. She found work, met and married a second time. First husband became, and she said a derelict. I don't know what that means. I mean, I know what derelict means, but I don't know exactly what the particulars are of her description. The second husband did not want to parent the boy. Okay, I think what she means is the first husband didn't get involved at all in the upbringing of this child. Young adult now. By age 16, he was drinking, smoking pot. My sister decided to send him to his birth father. A, 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 an uninvolved father. As godmother, I told her not to do this because it would not turn out well. At 21, he returned to his mother and was addicted. She was relieved that he made it to 21, I guess, and made no apology. He married, had a baby, still struggling with substance abuse. He died at age 32. I held my sister, her second husband, and the birth father as contributing to the boy's death. Now, I'm going to imagine you said something because she says, this is what got me cut off. I'm searching for forgiveness. Sometimes there are things you say that people take as so egregious. And again, this was, this was a pretty big one. They don't want to talk to you forever. Again, the only thing you can do is go back completely with your hat in your hand and say, I was so far out of line. I am so wrong. I hope you'll find it in your heart to give me another chance to reconnect in the relationship. That's the only thing you can do. Some people, this happens a lot, they have the attitude of, you committed the unforgivable sin. And to... To forgive you would mean that I'm saying it was okay. Because it was not okay. It was horrible in my mind. Therefore, you don't deserve forgiveness. And keep this in mind. If they're not religious, if they're not bound, or they do not look to a higher moral standard, then their moral standard is the only one. And if they say... Too bad, so sad, you're gone. You're stuck. Understand that. So you accept the reality. Pray for them. Pray for the soul of the boy, the young man who died young, and realize you said something you shouldn't have said, as we all do. Lynette is calling from Richfield, Ohio. Hi, Lynette. How are you? Hi, Doctor. Very well, thank you. A pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you. <laughs> you amused me a great deal, actually. Well, I hope not when I say serious, <laughs> profound stuff. No, no, of course right. not. Uh-huh. No, not in your orthodoxy, no. Oh, thank you. 
<laughs> but um, I did have a question, Doctor. I've been trying to, um, with a few people that I knew were Catholic, get um, a vote no on issue one signs put up in their yard, because this is yes. a huge issue for it's Ohio. A horrible, it's a horrible issue. It's an absolutely horrible issue. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's literally life and death. Pope John yeah. Paul II said there's no greater issue than that. Um yeah. So I went it would to it would home. put for people who don't know this it would put an amendment into the Ohio Constitution and amendments are so hard to reverse uh, as our governor said yeah, he's only it. he's only known of one amendment that's ever been reversed and the amendment would basically say abortion up to birth and it would limit parental rights regarding uh, a minor wanting an abortion as well as wanting a uh, transgender sex reassignment surgery. So that's that's the amendment. Yeah. Okay. So you tried to get somebody so to put a put a vote vote yeah. no sign in their yard, huh? Yes. Uh, I had gone to a garage sale there. I knew they were Catholic, and so I did come back. The um, gentleman was very responsive and said he was empathetic. However, um, it was up to his wife. So I when I drove by on another day, I saw she was outside. So. I stopped in again and explained the issue and gave some material, and just the response was kind of disconcerting as a Catholic. She said something to the effect that the Pope isn't strong on this, um, seemingly, which I said, you need to pray for him. We all do. And then Well, that's wrong. First of all, he's um, incredibly strong on this. Pope Francis has been absolutely adamant throughout his whole pontificate on the sanctity of life, absolutely. Okay, good. He, 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 yeah, don't and, don't and, let anybody tell you that. That's wrong. Okay. Okay. So and she. The other thing was, she said she had. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Give your second point. Oh, she said that um, she knew Catholic Catholic doctors and nurses who said that it should be the opposite. Which, uh, in our own faith, it's so hard to believe that they would come down against. Voting no, and so my response was, you know, but what about the baby? And you know, I ended up just saying I would pray that she made the right decision. And you know, I don't know if I handled it correctly. I didn't know afterward. Of course, you think of a million things to say, um, but I didn't know how to counter that without harming our own faith, the Catholic faith, or I didn't know what to say, Doctor. Okay, well, you began, Lynette, with a a what's the word I'm looking for, a, a premise, a false premise. You know what a false premise is? Yes, it's erroneous reasoning. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's the start of erroneous reasoning, and your false premise was this. Because somehow, some way, they call themselves Catholic, or that you assumed they were Catholic, that meant that they followed church teaching. Right. Uh, that, that's that's okay. where you got led astray, my dear. Okay. That, it's that so is, sad. Well, you stay there because I want to pontificate some more about this. 877-573-7825. Got a lot of time left here. So you want to call in? I'd love to hear from you, particularly about this whole people calling themselves Catholic thing and just deciding Catholic is as they define it. 877-57-EQUAL. Dr. Ray. 
Is the ecclesial ministry of the Catholic Church personal as well as sacramental and collegial in character? The Catechism says yes. Jesus Christ, the founder of the Catholic Church, calls his ministers personally when he says, follow me. The College of Bishops are related to the pontiff in Rome as Peter was related to the rest of the apostles. When Christ instituted the twelve apostles, he constituted them in a college or permanent assembly at the head of which he placed Peter, the rock of his church. Our Lord gave Peter the keys to his church, designating him the shepherd of the whole flock. The power Christ gave Peter to loose and to bind was also given to the college of the apostles united to its head. This pastoral office of Peter and the other apostles belongs to the church's very foundation and is continued by the bishops under the primacy of the Pope. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Those who deny the full humanity of the preborn will be toying with the sentiments of pro-life people. They will say, you can't really believe in the humanity of the unborn unless you support this or that piece of legislation. The pro-life position is quite different. We might well believe that we need to improve social conditions, but first of all, we believe that the pre-born are a good to be protected. Even if born into poverty, even if born into unstable, violent homes, we want to eliminate those terrible conditions, but it is the height of arrogance to tell human beings like unborn children who cannot communicate or reason or stand up for themselves that they are better off dead because we know from our own experience that we would choose life and survival over death no matter how poor our social environment. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Dr. Greg Randy doing my version of the Mr. Spock mind meld. Not Dr. Spock, it's Mr. Spock. Science offer, office, science officer on the original Star Trek. Okay, I'm talking to Lynette. And Lynette got a little flummoxed. She got a little shell-shocked. She ran up against a neighbor who also quoted <laughs> a supposedly Catholic doctor and nurse who were saying, oh, well, you know, I'll tell you what. Um, I think absolutely we ought to put it into the Constitution. Or maybe they didn't say it quite that way, but they were essentially saying that, um, well, what do you want to kill a baby in a womb? That's, that's, that's a woman's choice. It's legal, it's allowable, and we ought to give that choice to women because that baby is in her body. Okay, that is that is now the new rationale. The old rationale is it wasn't a baby. And, of course, when science indisputably established that it is a unique human being, it was, as I sadly predicted 20 years ago, I said this. I said, even when science says it, it's not going to matter because there will be those people who will say, and unfortunately they may be a majority, who will say it's in a woman's body, therefore she can do with it what she wants. Which makes no sense because if she went to somebody and said, hey, I need you to cut off one of my digits, no doctor would do it. And she could say, well, it's my body. I can do what I want. All right, Lynette, you still there? Yes. 
Okay. You assumed, my dear, that when somebody calls himself Catholic, you assumed that when it got back to you that they were Catholic. You assumed that when somebody said, well, I know some high-profile professionals who are Catholic, that they would follow church teaching. They would understand church teaching. Well, that's so false, my dear. That is just so false. Uh, As a matter of fact, let me give you a little disturbing statistic. Presently, of the nearly 70 million Catholics identified in the United States, what percentage go to weekly Mass? Oh, boy, I would hope, I mean, I would hope 100%, but 50? You're a sweetheart. 17. Oh, dear God. (laughs) So what you're seeing is that there's something interesting about calling oneself Catholic. It seems to be a label that you adhere to pretty much for life, unless you go to another denomination and you're a hostile ex-Catholic, and there's a lot of those. But for the most part, when somebody doesn't practice the Catholic faith or necessarily believe in a lot of the moral precepts that work so very well, by the way, of the Catholic faith, they still call themselves Catholic. Therefore, they dramatically misrepresent what the church teaches. Your neighbor lady totally, totally was uninformed about Pope Francis's stance on pro-life. Totally, completely. She either was reading some kind of misleading secular piece of media, or she extrapolated from things that he said and she made her own conclusions. But she just basically was of the mindset. Well, no, I really don't have Mm -hmm. to vote to protect babies because the Catholic Church is uh, kind of church is confused on this. They're really not uh, they're really not teaching uh, all about this in a very definitive way. That's that's her mindset. I guess what you could have said is. Are you are do you know what the Catholic Church teaches? You could you could have asked her that. Because I'll bet she I bet she doesn't. But you could ask that. Yeah. And then if she gives you some squishy off the mark response, you could have said, Do you want to know what the Catholic Church teaches? See, I always do that. I always say, Oh, I'm not gonna assume I'm gonna tell you what it teaches. You you tell me if you're even remotely open to hearing what it teaches. Yeah. Then you're so then I w- wise to do that. I, yeah. I'm not wise, honey. I'm just old, and I've just been through this <laughs> 80 billion times. Okay, so okay. so okay. so given all that, I probably would ask her. Then, after I told you what this amendment would mean, that's okay with you. I just I just want to understand that. I just want to understand. Is that okay? Yeah. With you? That's all. I'm just you. You you let her defend her position rather than you defending yeah. yours. Let her defend hers. So that, that works in so many situations, Doctor. I've never done that before listening to you, but it, do, it does work. Is yeah, I should do. It does it, work. Yeah, <laughs> because most people have not thought through their moral position. They haven't. Yeah. They just most people utter cliches. They say they give stereotypical thinking. 
shallow, superficial. Yeah. And when you ask them, okay, how'd you get to that point? And if you do think that, what about this? They don't. They 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 either get angry at you for doing that, or some of them, believe it or not, some of them say, "I said something to somebody just very recently." She was very angry at Catholic women. She said, "I don't like these Catholic women. They come off so holy, but yet they're they're just they're so they're so persnickety and so behind your back." And I said, "Well, did you stop going to church?" Well, I want to. And I said, "So you're saying?" that you're going to be upset at the church because of people who don't do what the church says to do. Mm. And she went, well, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, All righty, my dear. I thought of so many things to say after. But yeah. I'll continue praying and praying right. and praying for this. <laughs> All right. I got you. Right, thank you, dear. By the way, I get all your jokes. I always laugh out loud in my home. Okay, you, thanks, Dr. You, bless well, you. bless your heart. I don't have to repeat them. Well, some people go, oh, they're so corny. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Okay, uh, thanks, Dr. Thanks, Lynette. I'll talk to you. Bye. By the way, Lynette's from Richfield, and Richfield is where they had the huge uh, the Cavaliers basketball stadium. That thing was a monster. They tore it down. I just want, and it was so big, and it, it's not there. And I'm thinking, where did it all go? All right, I'll be back. This program brought to you by the following nonprofit company. From Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Can we, can we Look at the star. This is it. You truly believe that this child is the chosen one. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Federal guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere, November 10th. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Can smelling certain scents improve our memories? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. When my wife and I had COVID in late 2020, we both lost our sense of taste and smell. In my case, I continued to have issues with my sniffer for a few months. Then I read a study that suggested smelling bold scents could help restore the connection between the nose and the brain. Sure enough, smelling fresh lemons every day seemed to help me recover. No wonder I love the aroma of lemons and incense. Another study, though, indicates that older folks who smelled fragrant essential oils got better sleep and improved memory and thinking. Brain scans confirm they got better. Be careful, though. Some essential oils can be harmful if inhaled over time. Always consult your doctor. Side note, from Genesis 2 to Revelation 18, there are more than 200 references to perfume, odor, and smell. For more on the study, look for our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Last segment, so I have time here for Mindy from KBSS Spirit Radio, 102.7 FM, Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, Mindy. Good afternoon, Doctor. How are you? 
Well, nothing gaining on me. That's good, I guess. <laughs> um, well, as I kind of ran um, your call screamer through on this, um, I have a 15-year-old. Uh, she's almost 16. Um, she was had out of wedlock, and um, for almost 16 years now, the other party has not been involved in her life. And zero? Zero. From the beginning, zero. 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 Yes. Um, and just recently sent her a friend request on Facebook. Um, however, I'm assuming at that point it is to potentially have some kind of interaction. Um, the concern that I have is, of course, there's an emotional side to this. Um, there were threats that were made when she was a baby. There were threats by safety um, that were made to me when they uh, when I was expecting with her of potential physical harm. And so um, for obvious reasons, we have kind of stayed quiet. And instead, or now that we have this, you know, I'm somebody who likes to look at um, the fact that people do change. We do mature. And, you know, that was way back in teenage years. And so the problem is that I don't know if he has changed, um, if he has cleaned up some of his, um, uh, let's see, he had used drugs in the past, um, I have found out. And um, so I obviously don't know if he's grown out of that and matured. Um, so I'm just kind of wanting to figure out, we've got the the emotional side versus, I'm not sure if there's maybe like a moral side to this, as well as the logical side. So just trying to figure out what the best step is, if I should allow this, um, and pursue it and see if he would like to be active in her life, or uh, we should just continue out the few remaining years until she is an adult herself. Are you married? No. Okay, so you have raised this young lady all by yourself all this time. Yes. I think your uh, her birth father would have been smart to contact you first and say, "Here's yeah. what I'm th- here's what I'm thinking of doing." I, I'm I'm wondering if he's thinking you would just flat out say, "No way, no how, no chance, get out of here." So therefore, he didn't. He went an end around and went straight to her through kind of a faceless. Well, not faceless, but a uh, face-to-faceless social media. Right. I would yes. say, two, I think so, there's two, go ahead, Wendy, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so, yes, I mean, you're, you're kind of picking up on all of that. Yep. Go ahead. Two angles on this. What's your daughter think? Um. Well... So she sent me a screenshot of the friend request and was like, hey, um, is this my biological father? And um, by the time I responded back to her um, that, yes, that is him, um, she had already deleted his friend request um, because we, we've had a very open, as she's gotten older, uh, we've had conversations on, um, you know, why I chose to kind of lay low and why I didn't recommend at that time, you know, when she was younger for her to reach out. Um, And so (sighs) she kind of has, I think she kind of looks to me as I just assumed that you would be 
angry as well and tell me no. And I'm like, well, no. I mean, people do mature. They do grow up. Um, however, this individual does not pay child support um, and is uh, seems to be unable to maintain a job of some sort or something. I'm not quite sure exactly what the situation is, but something along those lines. So, so she is of the mindset of her own volition, I really don't want to pursue this right now. Or is she um, saying, I, I, I wouldn't mind pursuing it, but I know that would affect you, Mom, so therefore I'm not going to. I'm thinking it was more of the second one. Okay. Uh, I think her initial reaction was, Mom's going to freak out. I don't even want to think about this. I'm just going to delete it, and we're going to move on. And then once I was like, okay, well, no, people do change. We do mature, and so therefore... I suspect, um, Mindy, she's going to she's gonna pursue this out of curiosity, would be my guess. Um, I, I think would, she wants to, to a certain yeah. extent, yes. I would sit down with her and I'd say, let's let's really have an in-depth talk about this, given that there's been no contact for 16 years, given mm-hmm. that we don't know your birth dad's state in life. Um, mm-hmm. d- just explore all of the intricacies with her. Then okay. I would say, uh, I if, if any of this is coming to pass, I got to get a sense of who he is right now. I, I can't just assume... Wait. That this guy's responsible, that he will he will not uh, trash me to you. I can't assume that he's living any kind of moral life. I don't even know. I have no idea what he's been like for 16 years. So I got to get a handle on that, and maybe he'll talk to me. That's what okay. I would do. Then I would also say, if it comes to the point where she says, Mom, I'd really, really like to meet him, you have every right to say as a parent, well, uh, and when you're 18, we'll do that. It's like an adoptive okay. an adoptive kid. You can do that. You have every right to do that. You're, you're allowed as a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, he pretty much forfeited all of his parental rights, flat out. Um, I don't know legally what rights he still has, but from a, from a practical standpoint, he just cut out. Now, I right. suspect he isn't going to want to talk to you because his view is going to be, well, you, you just spent the last 15 years trashing me to my kid. So therefore, I suspect that she doesn't like me because of all the poison you put in her veins. That would be my guess, unless he really has rehabbed his life. And again, I can't know. You have to you have to talk to him about that and find out. Let's just say that he has. And let's just say that your daughter says, Mom, I really would like to meet him. Then I would have it under very strict supervision. He comes to the house and you're there. Yeah, I think I'd be more of we'll meet in a public location and I'll be yeah. there. But yeah. okay, fine. Whatever, whatever conditions you want to put on it, I think mm-hmm. you have every every right to do that. You might want to check with an attorney and say, do I do I have to do anything about this? If the attorney says no okay. under the statute in our state, uh, this is this is what you can do. Then uh, it'd be kind of like similar to me when if a birth parent would want to see one of my kids at age sixteen as a private adoption, I'd say, well, we'll we'll consider this when you're eighteen. Mindy, thank you so much, dear, very much. This is Dr. Ray. I got to run. I thank you so much for the company, and I appreciate everything you do. Thanks, Andrew Kruchek. Keep up your walk with God. That's the one that never ends. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.